0: Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lee, who will help you get started in building your real estate empire, grow your self confidence, find your grit, and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. This is Real Estate
1: Investing with Andrew Lee. It feels like a lifetime ago. We got into corona madness. I don't I don't even think it's so long, Lauren. On March seventh, the governor issued of the state of New York a disaster emergency declaration. And since then it's been like a rocket ship of different things have been restricted. And I keep hearing from our friends, from our family, people keep saying, Hey, I heard this and I know this and I watched this and I saw that, just so we're crystal clear. I love the governor's speeches every day at what is it, eleven o'clock? Eleven. It's been great. But I don't care what he says there. Why? Because you see, those aren't the laws. They actually have a thing called executive orders that they write up based on what he's saying. And I like to read the executive orders because when I'm in business, I can't kind of sort of have heard something. You know how many people think they don't have to pay their mortgage now? You're out of your mind. You know how many people think they can't get evicted? You can. So I think that it would be important for people to like, know where the primary sources is. So I'm going to say a website and I want you to bookmark it. And I want you to check it. And almost every day a new order is coming out based on the governor's speech that's telling us about businesses. I'm going to give you the website and I'm going to tell you some key things that have happened since March 7th. So first of all, get your pen out, get your paper out, go on your computer. You're going to type this in www.governor.ny.gov Executive orders and an executive order is a law and we need to know what the laws are that are going on. So again, March 7th it starts off, Lauren. Then I think the first day that an executive order really like made coronavirus hit home to business was March 16th at eight o'clock. What happened on March 16th at eight o'clock?
0: That was when all the restaurants and bars had to stop serving food or beverages on the actual premise.
1: That's when you drove down the block and everything was starting to get closed. That's when it became real. But what was cool, what it was cool, is these these restaurants weren't closed. A lot of people don't understand. This is about in-person contact. They allowed them to do curbside. They allowed them to do the delivery. And don't misunderstand. As a restaurateur, that stinks. You're paying money to be able to have seats. If you were just going to do delivery, you'd get a much smaller space, just the kitchen. But here's the good news. They said, hey, you have a liquor license. Even though your liquor license is only for on-premises sales will allow you to deliver liquor. And I think that's a huge thing because when you're ordering that delicious meal, like I'm, I'm going to get myself this fabulous steak tonight, it's going to be great. I want them to come with a bottle of wine. I want to be able to get this stuff.
0: Or a mixed drink, your margaritas, things like that. And supporting the local restaurants and even ordering that helps them stay in business.
1: Beyond the restaurants being closed on March 16th, we had casinos closed, gyms closed, fitness centers closed, movie theaters closed. Then we moved to March 19th. What happens on March 19th, Lauren?
0: Well, that's when all indoor retail shopping malls closed.
1: The malls, done. Imagine driving by the Smithhaven Mall, by Roosevelt Field, by a major mall in your neck of the woods. Closed. They said they gave a little exception if the if your place had a independent entrance from the mall you could stay open that eventually we saw close to. Additionally they closed all parks, amusements, arcades, zoos, aquariums, children play centers, theme parks, bowling alleys. That all closed again on March 19th. Then the next day, March 20th, what happens then?
0: Oh, that's when all employers had to reduce their physical workforce by 50%, which means only half of the people in your office can come in.
1: What is physical workforce? What does that mean?
0: So that means that you can work from home. They're not telling you that you have to cut your actual employees, that they just can't go into the actual employ- employment place.
1: This is probably the biggest misconception about all these orders that have come out so far. And people people think that businesses have to close. What they're saying is you can't come to work We keep telling everyone, remote work, work from home, use the cloud, use technology. They're not shutting you down. They're just saying you can't congregate. Why? Because if you're within six feet of someone else, you're going to get coronavirus. This particle stay airborne for hours, Lauren. It's on our materials. I I'm walking around with Clorox wipes everywhere and a thing of Lysol. Yeah, but
0: you could sneeze and it can be in the air for two hours and then somebody can walk into where it is and then they can get it and they might not even heard anybody sneeze.
1: So I think what was most important about that order that day, that was EO 202.6. What I thought was most important is they introduced us to what's called the Empire State Development Corporation. And why is that? Because even though they said essential versus non-essential, essential essential could stay open, non-essential, what does that mean? Well – The Empire State Development Corporation tells us. And if you go to this website, I'm going to give you a website. That's where you can find out about essential versus non-essential. Ready? Write it down. Go on your computer. ESD.ny.gov. Again, ESD.ny.gov. And, Lauren, not only can you find out what essential versus non-essential lists are, you can ask them questions if you're on the borderline. Like a big question we've asked is if you're an attorney and – A bank, a financial institution, an insurance company, they're essential. Isn't an attorney working ancillary to them in a closing? We need an answer. We need to know what the difference is between essential and not essential. And then they also say, if you want to also be deemed essential, even if you're not on the list, make that request. I've made that as well.
0: So you can ask if you can be essential when you're not essential.
1: I'm going to go so far to say you must ask. A lot of idiots that I know out there, yes, you are deciding for themselves that they're essential. I hope you realize the penalty for getting busted is number one, you could get up to a $2,000 fine for the first time, up to a $5,000 fine for the second time, and up to a $10,000 fine if you're endangering someone's health. Oh, and by the way, they could shut down your business with an injunction. Like It's crazy talk to gamble that way.
0: Not even that. What if you're somewhere and you give somebody coronavirus? What's going to happen if something happens to them? Let's just say they die. Could they sue you?
1: So I was on, I, I'll tell you why Lauren's saying that. I was telling her that I was on the New York State Bar Association's listserv. We, we email. listserv is. When, yeah, so I'm telling you, Lauren, it's when people email that are professionals with each other and we ro- answer each other's questions. And one of the guys said, I'll bet you the personal injury bar, that's the attorneys that sue for personal injury, are coming up with ways today to sue someone that spreads coronavirus. I've already put up a blog post and we'll we'll send it out to everyone. I've already put out a blog post about how if you are told to be quarantined and you break it, and then you, because you know you have it and you knowingly transmit a communicable disease, kind of like historically how people transmitted like AIDS. If you knowingly transfer a communicable disease, you could be sued for negligence. But what I'm saying now is just going to the closing, I bring my client, my client makes other people, that could be a big problem here. And I got to tell you, why not just ask the Empire State Development Corporation? They set up a whole structure to do that. Businesses, you got to be talking to my contractors. You got to be talking. There's talk about reducing what contractors can do and can't do. You got to be talking. Landlords, we got. There's an exemption though for anyone who's a sole proprietor. So if you're a sole proprietor, you can continue to act even without being on the essential list. Then what do we have the next day? As of March 21st, the workforce was reduced from 50% to 75%. So one day later, they reduced it to 75%. Then they introduced something called video notarizations, which on its face sounds great. They said you could do video notarizations through April 28th. And we're thinking to ourselves, you can do all remote closings. We're thinking to ourselves, you could do remote wills. You could do remote trusts. You can do remote power of attorneys. You can do remote healthcare proxies. I was going to send out healthcare proxies to everyone. But then I'm reading... In the state technology law at Section 307, while the notarization could be done remotely, you can't use electronic signatures because the Electronic Signatures and Records Act has a lot of restrictions when you're dealing with a will, a trust. It even has restrictions on deeds. What we need, legislature. I hope you're listening. My Congress people New York State, we need a robust law that provides for electronic and remote signing and electronic and remote notaries. And we need this into the future. And this is the way business needs to come. We need to take the negatives of the coronavirus and move it forward and have a positive going forward.
0: The legal system is archaic. So the legal system needs to be updated and it needs to be done electronically.
1: It's just such a waste. Talking about the legal system, Lauren, now um, the next order. Until April 19th, 2020, the legal system's virtually shut down. There's no more deadlines for filing papers, starting a lawsuit, nothing. Well, you, the state, New well, York state system. That's important, court system. Lauren. That's a very important distinction. So the state, I hope you realize there's also a federal court system, which means that if you're having a discrimination issue, you could still sue and file and deal with things in federal court. So-
0: There are certain lawsuits that go just for New York State, and then there are other types of lawsuits that go to the federal.
1: So federal, I'm thinking just off of my head, for real estate people, you're going to have employment issues. That's federal. Discrimination issues. That's federal. Any interstate contract, what that means is when one person's in one state and one person's in another state – That's federal. And by the way, state court, even though the court and the deadlines are closed, we are settling more cases at a faster rate now than we ever did before, because all these attorneys that were used to deadlines are now trying to settle on their own. It's the way to go. Then what do we have, Lauren? As of March 22nd, so we were just on March 21st. March 21st, reduced workforce to 75%. On March
0: 22nd? 100%. That's only two days later.
1: Well, one day, 21st to the 22nd. Unbelievable how they changed that. And again, this is about in-person workforce. Then what we learned is that you can't enforce an eviction and you can't enforce a foreclosure for 90 days. Just to be clear, that doesn't mean you can't be in default where you'll be evicted after 90 days. It doesn't mean they can't find you in default where you can get... It doesn't mean you don't have to pay your bills. What it means is that they're not going to throw you out on the street in the middle of a pandemic. Then what we get is... Landlords that aren't getting paid their rent, homeowners, you can apply for a forbearance all of a sudden, and they say, "Hey, listen, you could apply for a forbearance, which means you don't have to pay your mortgage." But here's the problem: this is what the problem with listening to just a governor's speeches. That only applies to a bank if your lender is a state bank, not a federal bank. If it says "NA" after the name of your bank, that's federal, and we're not sure of the rules. You got to read three NYCRR. One one nine. Google that. That's where the rules, or better yet, just read our blog. We have this stuff up there. What I'm getting across to everyone is you need to read primary sources to do business.
0: This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee. Find us on social media at Listen to Lieb
1: or visit ListenToLieb.com.